If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. This is another of our popular listeners' choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Our guest today is Tali Delatore. Tali's been an all-round rider, but she's really becoming more of a dressage specialist now. She's a dressage specialist, competitor, instructor and trainer. How are you today, Tali? I'm really good, thanks, Glennis. How are you today? Good. Wonderful. Thank you, Tali. Tali, now we start off with a favourite quote. Have you got one for us? Yeah, probably the one that I use the most in my coaching is, if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got, <laughs> which is a Kira Kirkland quote. Yeah, and a good one too, and uh, quite right. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm sure that you would have heard it from somewhere and it would have been appropriate at the time, or tell me when you first heard it. Definitely. I think I probably first heard it from my first dressage coach. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she really challenged me in the way to sort of thinking outside the square. And yeah, I had quite a tricky mare at the time. And yeah, it was just very relevant at that point in time, you know, that, of our training. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you use it for your students now? I do, yes. I, I use it very regularly, which is quite funny. I always smile when I say it as well yeah, yeah. because it is one of those ones that I always kind of kind of use. There's so many quotes around that, that I love to use, but that one's definitely probably the one that I use the most frequent. Yeah, yeah. And then, Tali, when you first started with horses, what are your earliest memories? My first earliest memory of horses was I had a horse across the road who I called Lightning and would take cut up carrots and apples to it and yeah I just felt I've always loved animals and I just fell in love with horses especially Mm -hmm. Um, and I think too because my parents tried to steer me away from the horse craze kid that sort of was a bit of a driving force to me (laughs) to um, find out more about it and and that sort of thing so that was definitely one of my first earliest memories of horses. Yeah, yeah, and and good to uh, have a horse just across the road that you could go over and feed as well. Very much, yeah, yeah. My uncle, mum's side of the family is from sort of outback mm-hmm. Queensland in Winton, and I remember as kids going up to Uncle Frank's place, and he had horses and has a big um, cattle station out there, and he had a little pony called Bubbles, who, and I think that was probably the first horse that I ever got to ride. Yep. And, yeah, I was just in awe with, you know, the smell of the horses and the smell of the leather and how amazing these majestic creatures sort of were to me as a little kid. So they just looked awesome. So Yeah. yeah. 
And and was it, I know that your parents tried to keep you away from the horses, but was it a natural progression that you then decided to work with horses and coach? How did that journey work? Yeah, I've always loved kids and I always sort of wanted to be a teacher or, or something along those lines. And I met, I sort of, I went overseas and worked with horses over there and came home and was just working in an office job and doing that sort of thing. And I wanted to get into teaching. And then my coach at the time sort of said, well, have you ever thought about, you know, combining the, your love for horses and your passion for horses with coaching? And I hadn't at that stage. And, yes, yeah, she sort of sort of gave me the idea about trying it. Mm. And that's sort of 10 years ago now. So I haven't looked back and put everything into it. And just I tell everyone now that I don't have a have a job. It's it's a lifestyle, and yep. it is an absolutely fantastic lifestyle. I wouldn't change it for the world. It's it's really really good. So yeah, so that's sort of how I sort of fell into it. Yeah, like I said, ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. And if someone else wanted to fall into it, not fall into it, but they had <laughs> a had a goal to become a a coach or to work with horses, because you've worked overseas with horses. What were you doing there? Yeah, so I worked on a stud just probably about 40 minutes out of London and that's actually where I sort of first got to see what dressage was about. I didn't really know what what dressage was prior to that and so I was just mucking out stables and saddling up horses and taking care of horses and I actually got to ride a little bit over there at that point in time Mm -hmm. and that was just amazing. I remember going to a show with a lady, Sarah Dwyer Coles, and seeing, so this would be going probably 15, 18 years ago now, and seeing Carl Hester warm up back in those days. And mm. I remember, distinctly remember, he was on a chestnut horse with a big white blaze and four white socks. And he just watching him in the warm-up was just amazing. And I, I really, I saw him do this amazing sort of length and trot across uh, the warm-up. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, like I really want to learn how to ride like that. That's just, you know, amazing. And um, unfortunately I had an accident over there where I broke my leg and had to come home. But that's sort of when I, you know, really sort of wanted to um, find out more about dressage and follow that sort of passion that I that I saw over there, was lucky enough to see. So Yep, yep. Oh, that's good. That's good. Now, if someone starts with horses what do they need to get started sure so I think um, my dad always talks about the three d's which is determination Mm -hmm. dedication and discipline yeah and I also think you know you need those three sort of attributes as a person and also like sacrifice you know it is quite hard to Mm -hmm. to initially sort of set up and get into the industry so you do have to sacrifice, you know, maybe socialising with friends and that initially to make a good go of it and just have, yeah, a really good support crew around you that are going to encourage you and, you know, follow your dreams a mm-hmm. bit, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very, very fortunate that my parents are amazing and they have backed me 110%, yep. which is, um, you know, would be forever grateful for that. Yep. Yeah, but definitely the, you know, as I said, my dad, the three Ds for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sort of thinking about your initial sacrifice and sacrificing your social life, but 
but you end up, if you're working with horses and working in the industry, you tend to have a different sort of social life, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you have a yeah. different sort of social life with other people that enjoy that sort of social life anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's exactly right. So, you know, you do sort of sacrifice a bit at the start, but in the long run, it does sort of change around. You sort of surround yourself with people of similar interest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got a such a beautiful clientele, which I'm very, very, very fortunate to have. And you do get to know them on a personal level and be friends and, and hang out with people that are similar minded yep. to yourself, which is just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a good encouragement thing between clients and students. Yeah, it becomes a real team thing, doesn't it? It's it becomes Oh, definitely. Yeah, yep. yeah all the people that are involved in Yeah. I love instilling that in my clients. Mm. You know, I try to when we go out and compete together, you know, we generally sort of we sort of part together and, you know, yep. have that you know, how did you go and, you know, how, you know, where can you do that better? And, you know, it's so, I'm so proud as a coach Mm. to be able to be out there with just such amazing people that are really friendly, really genuinely want others to succeed, which is is good. I like to sort of definitely instill that in my little community that I have. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully people will catch on to that. So, yeah, yeah. What do you think, you've sort of said it anyway, about, you know, about the best thing about working in the horse industry? What's the best thing, do you think? Is it everything you've already said? Yeah. No, well, there, there are so many things. Like, I love the fact that I get to work outdoors. I love the fact that I get to work with amazing horses every day, amazing people every day. And that I'm constantly learning and being challenged on a daily basis. Like, you know, there's not a day that I go outside and I haven't learnt something or been a part of someone's journey where they've enjoyed a session and and finally got a breaking through a light bulb moment in, you know, with horses. And, you know, to be be able to be a part of that as someone else's journey, Mm. that's a pretty amazing experience. Yep. To, to have and, and, and be. So I just love it. I absolutely, I couldn't imagine life any other way. <laughs> you know, I could, I could, there's no way I could go back to a, a nine to five mm-hmm. job. Yep. You know, yeah, I'm just very, very fortunate and blessed and forever grateful for being able to do what I do. So, yeah. yeah. Tully, tell us about, you said your parents really back you a lot. Who else has helped you? Yeah. Um, my influences of my, my life in yeah. my, my horse careers, you know, like, and I think, you know, once again, it could be the five-year-old that comes for their very first riding lesson and the beaming smile on their face. Like, you know, to me, that's an influence because, you know, I always try to never lose sight of why I do what I do mm. and to remember what it was like to actually, okay, why do I like horses? You know, to go back to those really early memories and think about that that on a daily basis is a pretty cool thing. Um, I definitely feel like my influences with my personal riding career, my biggest one would definitely be my current coach, who's Nicole McGoffin. Mm -hmm. She pushes me beyond my belief and yet she still has belief that I can do it. And, you know, I just, every time, because obviously she's um, in Queensland and I'm in Adelaide, so she only comes sort of down every couple of months. So just when I think she's raised the bar, the next time I see her, she's raised the bar again. And, you know, she's just constantly challenging me and I love it. And I also really like how 
we have got a really strong friendship as well. And yet we can still, when it comes to the, the 60 by 20, you know, it, it's business. Yep. And then we can have a bit of a laugh and a joke um, on a personal level as well. So yep. that's kind of, yep. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. And important for a coach, isn't it, to say, hang on, this is business. We, You're paying me to do my job Definitely. and I'm here to do my yeah. job. You know, I'm happy to be your friend. I'm happy to, to do all the social thing and everything else, but you're paying me and this is my job. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I was always taught like early on in the piece, you know, when it comes to business, mm. you have clients and you don't yep. have friends. Yep. And for me, as the person that I am, I'm – um, well, people tell me I'm quite a friendly person <laughs> and I've sort of adapted my business so that I can have the friendship but also have the business as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it, and it's a very fine line between a lot of people because, you know, you will hear people say, you know, you can't be friends with your clients and blah, blah, blah. But I think, you know, for the person that I am, that's very, very hard for me. And some people, you know, you need to be their friends as well. So you yep. need to know what's going on at a personal level to be able to help with their riding and training as well. Yep, yep. No, that's good. Now, what about horses, though? Have you got a particular horse that you'd like to talk about or a couple? Yeah, so I've currently got six horses. So I yep. have three school horses, which are used for the business, mm-hmm. and three of my own sort of personal horses that I compete on. By far, I mean, and you love them all for different reasons. They're, I always get asked, by the kids' parents, you know, do you have a favourite child? Like, no, no. But the one that's definitely stood out a million times over would be Alfie. Mm -hmm. He's 18 years old now. I I bought him as an eight-year-old and he was sort of my first real serious dressage horse. And the reason why he's influenced me the way that he has, um, I swear this horse can talk, (laughs) in the early days, I would hit the deck a lot and he would turn around and sort of give me the look of get better, sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) And I definitely, you know, and and it was, you know, I had to toughen up and dust myself off and pick myself up and learn really quickly to get better at training, at riding, at understanding dressage. Uh And, you know, with the likes of like Nicole, um, you know, she's really – implemented a really clear training system for me, which yep. has helped me not only with my personal writing skills, but with my coaching as well. Good. So, and super confident, which definitely helps people and horses. So, yeah, Alf definitely would be, um, and he's, he's a type of horse, he oozes presence. He's big, he's black, he's got personality mm-hmm. to burn, and he's definitely been the one that's influenced me the most. Because I think a lot of people, when... You know, you um, and whether it's in horse riding or personal things, yep. you know, when you do sort of hit rock bottom, you know, you can kind of go one of two ways. So I just sort of, you know, was able to prove to myself that I do want this life and I do want to ride and I do want to be the best trainer that I can be and ride, you know, at the highest level that I can go to with my horses. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he sort of has instilled that into me, which is good. It just yeah. reminded me too, you know which is lovely. <laughs> Good. What about your proudest moment? Was that with Alfie or, or with your five-year-old? Yeah, so I think, you know, even like little things like, you know, I've got a three-year-old who's just been at the trainers or the breakers and riding him for the first time, you know, that's been amazing. Uh, Banjo, my um, eight-year-old, 
he, you know, so he was sort of my first horse that I started from scratch myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting a first nine in a dressage test with, mm. with Banjo was just, you know, like those sort of moments, you know, that, that I produced that and, you know, with the training and everything, you know, they are really proud moments with, with them. Yep. Occasionally I'll let clients sit on Banjo and Alfie as well and being able to teach on them that's a pretty amazing thing to be a part of mm. when you've trained the horse to say do a shoulder in and then you get a rider that's never ridden a shoulder in then ride that on your horse and they get the feel of it and the understanding of it that too like I get a bit of a proud mummy moment when I see the the client has you know a big smile on their face and then my horse you know has the understanding and the training there that that as well is a really proud thing for me to to be able to achieve that Yep, yep, for sure, for sure. Natalie, I'm sure that it hasn't all been wonderful. I'm sure there's been challenges along your way. Tell us about your biggest challenge that you've had along the way. I think probably the risk of failing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and not being able to do this because, you know, it is it is a very hard, like, a, you know, it is a lifestyle. Like, you know, yes, it is a fantastic lifestyle, but, you know, it is hard work and it's 24-7. And so I think the fact of failing in that aspect, I was, I was told when I started that one in three small businesses fail. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was told that, I, I never wanted to be that one. Like I you know, um, and, you know, I think too, because, you know, I desperately, you know, I don't want to go back to a nine to five job. So I think that, yeah, that would be sort of like a, a concern, but, you know, at the moment it is fantastic and business is amazing. I have a waiting list and that sort of thing. So, you know, it is the build up that I've created over the last 10 years has got me to where I am today. And I'd like to, you know, keep it going the way that it is, which is, which is great. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think everyone's sort of risk, isn't it, would be, you know, because it is a pretty big, you know, when you, when you run a business yourself is that sort of risk of failing, failing people and failing your support crew as well. Mm, mm, I think so. So for someone who's, because, you, you know, you learn to coach and that is great if you're going to walk into a job, but, you know, you, when you tackle on a new career plus starting your own business, of course it's challenges. But if someone else is going to do that, what would you advise someone then? that was about to take on that type of challenge, you know, starting a new career and starting a new business? Yeah, I would, if you can, if you're fortunate enough, which I was at the start, to be guided by someone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if someone you can, like, you know, if your current coach at the time would be willing to guide you a little bit, that would be, you know, just just to take you under their wing, you know, that would be a good little insight. I... I remember when I first started, I would just go and watch as much as I could and learn, which I still do today, you know, just go and watch lessons and learn from things and never be closed-minded. You have to be a very open-minded sort of person to be in this industry and be very honest. So honest to yourself, honest to your clients. Yeah, so my biggest advice to people would be that wanted to start out in the industry, just seek help first. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, it, it's not like I would never recommend people, you know, if they had a, a permanent position in something, you couldn't just quit your job and just be like, okay, I'm going to be a 
horse riding instructors today. It, it doesn't really work like that, but I think, you know, through the support of EA as well, go out and find some local coach educators that you can learn from to further your skills, definitely. Mm, mm. And just watch and learn, absorb. And I think that's another thing. You Once you become qualified as an instructor, that's your first qualification. It doesn't mean that you know everything. That just means that you know enough to be professional, to start, but then yep. you've got to keep learning. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And never, like, you never shut yourself off to learning something new. Uh, like I said, like, you know, sometimes the 10-year-olds teach me something in a day mm. and I'm like, oh, cool, wow, I hadn't thought of it like that. And, you know, so you can never, ever be, like, completely know everything about horses. I remember Sandra Pearson Adams, who I was fortunate enough to work with in the early days, you know, she always used to say to me, it takes three lifetimes to learn how to ride a horse. And I often think about that because, you know, if it takes three lines to learn, how long does it take to actually learn how to coach someone? Mm. Yeah, so just, yeah, be open-minded and go and watch things. And and it doesn't just have to be the discipline that you're interested in either. Go and watch some Western. Go and watch some natural horsemanship. Go and watch some show jumping, you know. And, and listen to, you know, go and watch different presenters. You know, we're lucky enough in this country now that we get some amazing, um, well, we have some amazing coaches Australia-wide, mm-hmm. which, you know, often are at the Equitanas and, and things like that. But, yeah, go and if you get the opportunity to go and watch some international presenters, yeah, do it. Yep, yep, for sure. Because you never know what you learn. Well, that's right. That's right. And you always go with an open mind. You're going to pick up something. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Now, thinking about yourself as a coach, what's a common fault that you see? You know, you've got a new rider or you you see horses at competitions and riders at competitions as combinations. What do you think, you know, is is just something that you often see and you're often asked to fix? Yeah, so on a a rider's, like more the rider psychology, I think, and and for human nature, you know, we tend to doubt ourselves a lot. Mm -hmm. So I try to and I know personally as well you know how much doubt was created in the early stages of me versus now like the confidence I have in my understanding of the training and that sort of thing so that's what I try to instill in my clientele is to that's why I'm a very apply the key simple stupid so that you know they do have a good understanding of you know what they're asking for Um, probably the most common fault that I see is the lack of understanding of contacts, which is definitely, I feel, you know, a lack of looseness through the horse's body. Mm-hmm. So Nicole definitely has, you know, everyone's sort of, I guess, passionate about one thing and, and hers, fortunately for me, is looseness and ours too, um, he, he be, he's quite short in the body, so he's not so strong at being supple through his body. So, you know, I had a bit of a triple whammy with, with those guys. Um, yep. So definitely trying to work on suppleness laterally and longitudinally to help with the contact. Yeah. You know, everyone's you know, wants the pretty outline and all of those sort of things, but I think once they work on the softness through the horse's body, then the contact itself gets better. So, you know, it's not you know, gone are the days, oh, God, I remember back pony club days, you know, to get the horse on the bit, you just sort of 
don't know, this horrible, like, um, you know, pull their heads in. And that's what yes. you know, a lot of people were trained sort of, you know, 30 years ago. Mm. Thank Christ, you know, we've come such a long way as a human race with developing horses that, you know, it's not done that way now. So I try to instill, like, with the contact, you know, getting looseness through the horse's body to establish a better contact in the rider's hands. So, and, and it's lack of knowledge, isn't it? You know, because people who don't understand dressage or don't understand horses, they talk about, you know, those horses that tuck their head in and they don't yeah. realise that it's really coming from behind and there's so much more than just tucking their head in. It's, it's a lot of other things as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I think I think too, like, you know, it is that lack of knowledge that then creates doubt in riders and then, you know, there's that doubt that in the understanding of the training. So, you know, our job as coaches is to give the clients the knowledge mm. so that they understand the training of working the horse correctly yes. from the back end to the front end through a loose body. So it's not, you know, like I said before, you know, it's not just about pulling a horse head in anymore. Yep. Thank God. Yep. yep. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you start to work on everything else and all of a sudden, you know, the horse gives the appearance of not tucking the head in, but you know, the, if you work on everything else, then that all just comes together. Yep. yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Tali, tell us about a book. Have you got a book that you use yourself as a basis or one you can recommend to our listeners? Yeah, I always refer, like, and I often hear myself saying, referring clients to getting the principles of writing. Yes. Which is, it's just one of those books. And I remember when I first got it and read it, and I just thought, wow, you know, this is amazing. Mm. And then I read it again probably about two years later, and I understood so much more. Yep. So I think it's one of those books where, you know, it will keep teaching you things. The yeah, more you learn, yeah. go back and read it again, and you'll be like, oh, cool, I get that a little bit more. And I definitely feel that, you know, yeah, that's definitely the one that I recommend to my clients the most, and I, I refer back to it a lot. So that would be the one that I would recommend for sure. It's certainly a very well-written book, and it would have to be one of our most recommended books as well. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that that definitely by far, it's probably one of the first sort of dressage sort of all, uh, books that I've read. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I know it's got a few different elements throughout it, but yeah, just the dressage side of it, you know, it's it's a cool one. You sort of read it again, you're like, oh, fantastic. I understand that a little, at a deeper level, I guess. Yes. So, yeah. which is yeah. good. And remember, you can find all the books recommended by our guests at horsechats.com slash books. You can have a look at the guest page for the individual book they recommended or just look at the recommended books by order of popularity at horsechats.com slash books. Tali, what are you looking forward to now? You've got your three-year-old that's just broken in. You've got, you know, Banjo coming along. What else are you looking forward to or is that the main things? Yeah, definitely I... Definitely. So we want to be out competing on banjo at a medium level this year with the aim to getting over to the Victorian Dressage Festival at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of been a bit of a goal for me for the last couple of years with him. And I just want to, you know, the ultimate goal of, you know, having my first horse that I started myself and taking him through to FEI, that yep. would be a bit of a long-term goal for me. Mm-hmm. With Aston, it will be, you know, exactly the same. Um, he's clearly different personality to Banjo, so he's going to be a bit more like Alfie, I think. So I'd like to just sort of see, we've 
We'll see how it goes with the young horse classes. I'll just sort of play that one by ear. So mm-hmm. if he's ready mentally and physically for them, I'd like to give them a go here in South Australia. Uh, so our final, our state finals generally in January. If he's not ready either physically or mentally, I won't do it. But if he is, we'll, we'll give a go at that. Banjo as well is lucky enough to be going over to be horse of the year over in Sydney, like the national. Yep, good. We just did a, a show a couple of weekends ago, got qualified for that for good. next year. Mm-hmm. So we'll try to get over to that as well, which will be good. So mm-hmm. I just really want to sort of get get him sort of interstate a couple of times, which would be nice. So that's a bit of a goal for me. Okay, that's great. In the future. Good. Good. We look forward to hearing from you and, and knowing how brilliantly he's gone. That'll be uh, good. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Tali, would you like to summarise your philosophy with horses now, just into a couple of sentences, into a message for our listeners? Yeah, I guess don't ever lose sight of why you started. Like, I think um, along the way, you know, we can sort of alter things a little bit, but just don't ever lose sight of that little girl that had that ridiculous passion and nagged her mum and dad to just go next door to see the horse or cut up carrots to go next door to see the horse or yeah don't lose sight of her because you know she's a force to be reckoned with I think yeah yeah okay now Tali how can people contact you uh so my company is Bluestone Equestrian Centre so Mm -hmm. probably best uh we've got a Facebook page message me through there that would be the best way to contact Okay, and just if you've missed it, those details will be on horsechats.com slash Tali Delator or just go to horsechats.com and search for Tali, T-A-R-L-I, and you'll get those details. Tali, thank you for the call today. It's been um, very good talking to you. I've certainly enjoyed it. I look forward to following you and um, seeing how you go with your um, horses over the next you know, year, couple or many years, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much for your time, Glennis. I really appreciate it. That's okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.